a lot of people get frustrated with exercise because they think it's the secret to losing weight and they get frustrated to learn that they don't lose weight just by increasing their exercise. And the reason why is because the body wants to typically balance that equation. So you're going to tend to eat more when you're exercising. If you're really good at controlling that, then maybe you can tilt things in your favor. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, we are exploring an important topic for millions of people worldwide, a topic that impacts every generation today, and that is how to rev up your metabolism. But not just only revving up your metabolism, but how to address the root cause of metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, and even diabetes. We know that when you are able to rev up your metabolism, you are able to also burn fat naturally. And that is what my dear friend and diabetes expert, Dr. Brian Mole, is all about. Now, specifically, we're going to be looking at the biochemical processes of how metabolism works and how insulin can get regulated in the body so that our bodies are functioning at peak capacity. Now, I am so excited that we are diving into this topic today because metabolic syndrome is affecting millions of people and the healthcare system doesn't have a viable and integrative way of healing or reversing it. Luckily, this is Dr. Brian Mole's expertise. This is what he is phenomenal at. This is what he's been studying for over a decade. He understands the correlation between blood sugar levels and our liver and our metabolism, similar to Dr. Alan Christensen. And if today's podcast inspires you to dig deeper into this topic, I want you to go and check out episode 34 and 61 with Dr. Alan Christensen. But before we get into this much needed discussion about healing our metabolism and our liver, I wanted to let you know, in case you didn't, that we have two episodes per week here on this podcast. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, I drop a new episode focusing on women's health, just like today with Dr. Brian Mole. As you know, I created this podcast to give women more insight about their bodies and provide an explanation for why they aren't feeling like themselves, but not exactly sure what is going on. And what I believe is that we deserve answers about our health. Don't you agree? We deserve to understand our hormones and our bodies. We deserve an integrative approach to healing our hormones. And we deserve better treatment in the healthcare system. I personally want you to feel empowered by your choices based on how your body feels. I want you to be able to demand different from your doctors based on knowing more about your body. When you make a decision to become the CEO of your health, The first step is to connect into that inner pilot and address the root cause of the issue. Basically, what it comes down to is listening to our body's intuition. You know, you know more than anyone when something isn't right. And I hear this all the time from my readers and my podcast listeners every single day. The thing is, is that your body is indeed your business. So listen to your intuition and trust what it tells you. Symptoms, as you know, are often a wake-up call, especially hormonal imbalance. Hormones often sound the alarm bells first. It's worth asking yourself, what is going on to drive this illness or those messages? Is it an unfulfilled job? Is it constant deadlines? 
Is it a toxic relationship at the root cause? If it is any of these things, then it may be worth looking to change that area in your life because you matter and your happiness matters. So here are some important questions to ask yourself. Anytime you find yourself in a situation or you just want to analyze what is going on. Number one, is this serving me and my body? Right? Because you're going to get so many answers from these questions. Number two, do I feel ownership of my life and the choices regarding my health? Number three, what does my body need in order to heal? And once you answer these questions and get clarity, you then get to write your own health story. Right, And you get to bring us into the mix. You get to bring functional doctors and doctors into the mix to help get you back on track. Inherently, you know that your body is right for healing miracles by staying both empowered and having ownership. You get to call upon doctors and healers for their expertise and their opinions and their support without relinquishing your power. And I can't tell you how amazing it feels to step into becoming the boss of your own healthcare. So let's get ready to drop those knowledge bombs right now and get some important facts about our metabolic system and those metabolic hormones with Dr. Brian Mole. But before we do that, I want to quickly sing his praises. Dr. Brian Mole is the founder and medical director of the Sweet Life Diabetes Health Centers that serve clients worldwide as the diabetes coach. He is the master and licensed diabetes educator He's one of the first doctors to be certified in functional medicine, and he is a man with a mission to help people around the world reverse their diabetes and heal naturally. Welcome, Dr. Brian, to the Essentially You podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Hey, Marisa. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, and we are going to be talking about a topic that I know my listeners are dying to hear about, and that is how to rev up your metabolism to burn fat naturally. Because let's be honest, I know that you and I both know that a lot of the clients that we work with are really struggling with their metabolism. Yeah, so true. And I think there's a lot of myths around metabolism. We hear often that, oh, I have a slow metabolism, or so-and-so has a fast metabolism, they just don't ever gain weight. And uh, this is oftentimes positioned as something that you're just either blessed with or cursed with. And I think that that's not entirely true. Uh, there's much more to metabolism than meets the eye, so to speak. And there's a lot we can do to control our metabolic rate. Well, I'm super excited to hear about it because I know a lot of women do feel that way. They absolutely feel like, well, it's just, I hear this all the time. It's my genetics. There's nothing I can do. I'm just at a point in my age where I just can't fix my metabolism at this point. And so before we jump on into that, I just want to hear a little bit because you know, this is you're one of my go-to gurus when it comes to just understanding the, the blood sugar relationship, understanding metabolism. But what kind of inspired you to get into this work, to this very specific work that you really serve tens of thousands of people doing? A couple of years ago, I kind of remembered a patient who had a huge impact on my life and the direction of my practice. Her name was Janice. And uh, I was probably four or five years into practice doing general wellness work with people. And I was running, I was doing a lot of workshops on nutrition and fitness and things like that. And Janice came to one of my workshops and told me 
that she was just recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and she wanted to know what I would recommend for her. And I didn't know that much about diabetes at the time. This was, you know, 15 years ago. So I told her what I knew, you know, lose some weight and probably start exercising and cut carbs out of your diet and a few things like that. And and uh, so she went off and did a lot of her own research and uh, came back to another workshop a month later and had lost like 10 pounds and looked a lot better and told me a little bit more about what she was doing. I was sort of excited to, to hear. And then another two months went by. She came to a, another workshop. This is 90 days after I met her for the first time. And she was a different person, like completely transformed. She had lost something like 25, 30 pounds in that period of time, just an incredible amount of weight loss. And just looked different. Her face looked different. Her demeanor was different. And she told me she actually had reversed her type 2 diabetes, had eliminated the medication that she was given, and her blood sugar had gone back down to normal, and she felt better than she'd ever felt in her entire life. And uh, really not much thanks to me because I didn't really tell her to do much. It's, it's a lot of the work she had done on her own. But she really inspired me. Like I got so excited about that. And it really piqued my interest and, and kind of lit a fire in me to find out as much as I could about this condition. So I started studying. At first, for me, it was just about I was going to do a workshop on it. So I started studying all about diabetes to kind of prepare for a talk. And the more I learned, I just realized that this is something that just, uh, again, uh, really stirred that passion inside of me. It was something that I found to be really fascinating and interesting. You know, so many people, like Janice was, are lost in the in the healthcare system, and it really hasn't changed much in 15 years. It certainly hasn't gotten any better. So people today still are uh, lost, still being told to count calories, to limit fat, to cut out saturated fats, and to essentially follow the American Heart Association guidelines which doesn't really improve their health uh, much. I mean, if they're eating a, a horrible diet, maybe it does. But uh, that's what she was originally told. It didn't work for her. She, she learned on her own how to do it and then inspired me to learn that and, and teach others. So since Janice, I've been able to help, geez, hundreds, maybe thousands, I haven't counted, but people with type 2 diabetes and weight problems and prediabetes to lose weight and get their blood sugar back down to normal and again, just like uh, Janice did, to really find a new lease on life. That's what I love is you know, when you do it the right way, you actually get healthier, you get more vibrant, you get full of energy, your metabolism starts really working so uh, you don't get hungry throughout the day, you feel better than you ever have. And, uh, and that's what I see uh, you know, with the people that we work with and the people who, who use a natural, a healthy approach to actually get better. So to me, uh, that was my first inspiration, but, but it really, uh, I get excited every day. You know, I had three or four calls with clients daily and uh, every time it's, it's like the highlight of my day because I, I love to hear how much better they're doing and help them solve problems and including, you know, what we're really talking about today, which is how do we rev up the metabolism? How do we get the body to burn fat when it doesn't seem like we can, when it seems like everything we try doesn't work? We'll lose weight, then we'll put it back on. We look at food and we gain weight. You know, how do we, how do we get past that difficult sluggish metabolism? And that's, that's one of the problems we solve. 
Yeah. And I, I'm sure you are so grateful to Janice. I know I am because just having her have that transformation in front of your eyes really had you see this bigger picture. And then you've been able to serve so many people and serving so many people even today on this podcast. So let's talk a little bit about what metabolism really is. Cause I think that there's a lot of misinformation. A lot of people don't really understand what's going on and kind of just like you had mentioned how you gave Janice a couple recommendations here, a couple recommendations there. I feel like that's what a lot of people think they're, they're only supposed to do for their metabolism. Right. Exactly. And I think again, there's this myth that we have a slow metabolism. So we're not going to lose weight. And, and some people have a fast metabolism and, and, you know, they'll never gain weight. And they're just blessed. <laughs> and they're just blessed. Yeah. And, and, uh, and of course, while there's a little bit of truth to every myth, ultimately that's not the whole truth. And there's much more that is in our control than what's out of our control. So a lot of people think of metabolism as just how many calories they burn per day. And, if they have a fast metabolism, they're burning a lot. And if they have a slow metabolism, they're not burning enough. And again, that's part of it, but it's much more complex. Metabolism is really the breakdown and buildup process of the body. So every time we consume food, we've got to break that down in our digestive system and, and assimilate and absorb it through our gut. And then we take that uh, to the various parts of our body and we, we basically rebuild our body anew. And we have, you know, all these different chemical processes which require nutrients to work properly. And that's all part of the metabolic process. You know, our energy that we absorb and utilize balanced by the amount of energy that our cells are burning just to keep us alive and keep us functioning. I think it's a myth, really, that we can accurately calculate our metabolic rate. So there's lots of online calculators where you can go in and punch in your age and your height and weight and so forth. And it's going to tell you how many calories per day you're burning and you can adjust it based on your activity level and so forth. That just does not seem to be accurate to me. I think everybody has a little bit of a different metabolic makeup. And I don't think we can calculate metabolism that way. On the other side of the equation is the calories we're consuming from our diet. And likewise, I don't think that's very accurate either. You know, the way they figure out how many calories are in a particular food, they'll put it into a what's called a bomb calorimeter and basically see what kind of heat output they get from the food in this machine then translate that into how many calories that's going to yield in our body. But if you think about it, when you eat food, what happens to that? I mean, you've got to, again, you've got to break it down and digest it and absorb it and assimilate it. And your body's going to use that as it, it deems fit. I don't think everybody is going to get the exact same amount of caloric energy from the same foods. So, I don't think either side of that sort of calories in, calories out, metabolic equation actually works. I don't think we can accurately calculate how many calories we're burning every day, and I don't think we can accurately calculate how many calories we're consuming. So that kind of blows up the whole formula, and it leaves us wondering, how do we figure out how to lose weight? I think the answer is to be more in touch and in tune with our bodies. 
You know, I think if you uh, really check in with yourself, we have to ask ourselves some questions around eating. Like, why are we eating? Why are we choosing the foods we're eating? And, and why are we eating when we're eating? A lot of people eat when they're not hungry. A lot of people eat when they're stressed. A lot of people eat for social reasons. People eat certain foods and will eat, period, for reasons that have nothing to do with nourishing their body or hunger. And so I think that's part of the equation uh, that we left to look at. And you can tell a lot about metabolic balance by watching body signals. You know, is your blood sugar too high? Are your lipids like cholesterol and triglyceride levels too high? Are you gaining weight or having a hard time losing weight? And that'll tell you one thing for sure, that the your specific metabolic equation is not working for you. So if you're gaining weight or you're not losing weight, then uh, somehow you're consuming more energy than you're burning. We know that to be true. We just can't calculate it based on a simple calculation. We have to go a little deeper. So when it comes to thinking about whether we have a slow metabolism or not, or if we're actually burning fat, it's really about being mindful of what our body is saying. Are there any other indicators besides clearly measuring blood glucose levels? Is there anything else we could be looking at? And even because I don't know, should we be measuring that more frequently? Because I mean, clearly the scale isn't giving us the biggest picture. And I know that the scale can really throw people off. Yeah, for sure. It just energy in general is a big one. Also, do you wake up with a lot of energy of energy throughout the day? Uh, it is normal to have a little bit of a lull in you know mid afternoon. You know, if cortisol levels drop a little bit, and it's normal to have a little bit of an energy lull. But it sh- you shouldn't crash. You, you shouldn't need coffee or caffeine to get through the day or to function type of thing. So our energy levels are are important because. When, uh, when we're properly metabolizing our food and converting that into usable cellular energy, we should feel good. Uh, our bodies should be alive and should function properly. We also shouldn't necessarily get hungry throughout the day. Hunger is interesting. A lot of people talk about how hungry they are. We use this term casually. And some people will eat dinner, for example. And then an hour later, talk about how they're hungry. And if you think about that, it really doesn't make any sense. You know, how could you really be hungry an hour after you just ate a large meal? So what people oftentimes describe as hunger is, again, these basically mixed metabolic signals. You know, they're getting bad signals from their body due to usually some sort of hormonal imbalances. And those could be imbalances in hormones like insulin, which helps us control and regulate our blood sugar, or thyroid hormone, or stress hormone like cortisol and adrenaline. And there's other hormones that play into this, like leptin, for example, which is the the hormone that actually makes us feel full. And there's a hormone released by the stomach called ghrelin that makes us feel hungry. So these hormones all play a role in whether or not we feel hungry. But then, of course, there's also emotional reasons why we might feel hungry. Maybe you're not hungry, but you just want to eat. You know, maybe you feel stressed or you feel more comfortable after you eat some sweets in the evening or something like that. So sometimes we have to go deeper and go even beyond food and ask, what is it that we're really craving? 
you know, what is it that we're looking for? It's probably not food. But, you know, all these factors will play into uh, metabolic health. And when you're burning fat and your metabolism is working well, you're able to tap into your fat stores. You're typically not going to be hungry uh, throughout the day. Now, after, if you were to fast for three or four days or a week or something, of, of course, at some point you're going to get hungry. But you wouldn't get hungry within a 24-hour period of time because as long as your metabolism is working well and you're able to burn fat and, and you've got a little bit of extra fat to burn, then you'll tap right into those fat stores and, and you'll, you'll never really need to have that deep feeling of needing to eat. So that's another, that's another uh, kind of sign or symptom that we can look for. That's good to know. Now you mentioned hormones. I wanted to connect about that because I find that a lot of women, there are hormonal imbalances that are happening that are causing, usually I'd say it's a, some sort of weight resistance. Like they're just not able to let go no matter how restrictive they're eating, if they're even doing intermittent fasting or they're exercising a lot. Are there key hormones that you see play a role in preventing or slowing down the metabolism or at least preventing weight loss? Well, I think the big one is is thyroid hormone, and, and I'm sure you've talked a lot about that. Thyroid is is really our master metabolic hormone. The key thing is that we have to look at the totality of thyroid hormones because oftentimes people will get tested and they'll find that their TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone, is normal, or maybe it is abnormal, and, and they uh, they start taking some synthroid and it comes back down to normal. And, and so their doctor assumes and they assume that everything is now fine. Um, but oftentimes that's not the case. We use thyroid hormone in, in different ways and uh, we need to convert our thyroxin or T4, which is what people take when they take Synthroid. We need to convert that into the more active thyroid hormone uh, T3, triiodothyronine. And that's sort of the key that starts the ignition of the car and really drives our, our metabolic function. So if you have a known thyroid problem, it's important to look at, again, the thyroid hormones in their totality. So that would be total and free T4 and T3 levels. And we like to look at reverse T3 also because that sort of functions like a break it actually binds to the same receptors that T3 does, but doesn't activate them. So it acts sort of as a break. And there's relationships between stress hormone, cortisol, for example, and free T3. So when people are under stress, their free T3 levels rise. There's also a relationship between insulin, which again is that hormone that helps us regulate and control our blood sugar, and the stress hormone, cortisol, and thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone and insulin work a bit like a seesaw. So when your insulin levels rise, which happens on a diet with too many refined and processed carbohydrates or for people who have become insulin resistant due to chronic systemic inflammation, among other things, when their insulin levels become high, it actually suppresses thyroid hormone activity. So this can be a bit confusing. So you can have a blood test and your thyroid hormones actually look normal, but because insulin is high, it's actually suppressing the activity of those thyroid hormones and the binding of those thyroid hormones. 
and slowing your metabolism in a way, slowing the amount of calories and or fat you're burning. So in essence, there's a net effect that would be similar to having hypothyroidism or low thyroid levels, even though your thyroid levels are normal. So I think it's important for anybody who thinks they're weight loss resistant or feels like they have a slow metabolism that we look at the thyroid hormones in totality and we check uh, cortisol levels and insulin levels because there's a very intimate relationship between those. You can look for signs, by the way. Oh, just real quick. Um, a lot of people ask about, well, how do I know if my thyroid's low? And some of the classic symptoms there would be difficulty losing weight, high triglycerides or high cholesterol levels, constipation, cold hands and feet. A lot of people who feel like they're always cold, you know, um, and the people around them are comfortable and they're, they're always reaching for a blanket or a sweater. In, in some cases, when it gets worse, we'll see uh, rapid hair loss or loss of the eyebrows. The outer, outer third of the eyebrows can happen too. But those are, uh, those are some signs that oftentimes people relate to low or slow metabolism and there are signs of low thyroid numbers or that thyroid suppression. I appreciate the clarification on that. And that I think a lot of people don't understand that there's such an intimate connection between cortisol, so your, your stress hormone, insulin, and thyroid, and how they can all just kind of mess each other up. And it feels very much like a catch-22. Like once, once one of them are deregulated, it can really set off a, a cascade into deregulating your thyroid as well, which could absolutely lead to that resistance and weight and weight loss. So I really appreciate that connection. Now, now that we have a little bit of a sense of what could be going on and, and really how to look at the indicators for slow metabolism, I want to change gears a little bit and talk about, I think what a lot of people want to know is how do we, how do we boost that metabolism and, and what do we do to increase fat burning? If we have a a sense that something isn't right. And let's say we we dug into the hormone scenario and, and worked that out. What else can we be doing to rev up our metabolism? The first thing I'll say is, again, going back to what I went over earlier, you know, we can't necessarily accurately calculate this. There are ways to do it, by the way, in a lab, but but you can't do it using a math formula. So have some allowances for yourself with the numbers that you're seeing or being told by, for example, a personal trainer or, you know, even a dietitian, perhaps, uh, that they may not be accurate. So if somebody says to you, uh, you know, you need to eat 1800 calories a day or 2300 calories a day, that may not be true for you. So I wouldn't depend too much on the numbers. So how can we, outside of looking at those specific numbers, how can we increase our metabolism? How can we increase the amount of energy that we're burning throughout the day? How can we increase the amount of fat that we're burning throughout the day? And there's a few ways that, that we know can do this. Uh, one is uh, to build more lean body mass. Muscle certainly burns more calories than fat. Now, there's different types of fat. There's the typical white fat, which is the adipose fat, that most people store. And there's something called brown fat, which is more metabolically active fat. And there are ways to stimulate more brown fat. Some people do genetically carry more brown fat. But 
comparing muscle to even brown fat, muscle burns way more calories per hour and per day than fat does. So the more lean mass we have on our bodies, the more calories we're going to burn, even in a resting state. So that's important. And so I encourage people to do resistance training. I think everybody should be doing resistance training. You don't need to join a CrossFit gym or go out and lift heavy weight necessarily. But I do think it's important to do some form of resistance training. It could be body weight exercise or uh, some sort of class uh, where you're doing an exercise with resistance. But some sort of resistance training is really important because you do want to build more lean muscle mass. You're also, of course, by doing that, going to be burning more calories. And so exercise in general will increase our metabolic rate. This is a myth that I want to talk about also because a lot of people, because of what I just said is true, a lot of people think if I exercise and burn more energy, then I should lose weight. And if everything was equal and you just exercised and burned more calories, then that would be true. But the body adjusts itself often and uh, it's going to change your appetite also based on the amount of energy that you're burning. So when you exercise, oftentimes you'll get hungry and want to eat more, even on a subconscious level. So you may not even be aware that you're doing this, but a lot of people get frustrated with exercise because they think it's the secret to losing weight and they get frustrated to learn that they don't lose weight just by increasing their exercise. And the reason why is because the body wants to typically balance that equation. So you're going to tend to eat more when you're exercising. If you're really good at controlling that, then maybe you can tilt things in your favor, but just something to be aware of. So I think the benefits of exercise are still worth it. And I still recommend it. And you are going to increase the amount of energy you're burning per day, but you may also increase the amount of energy you're consuming uh, based on the amount of food you're eating. The real benefit comes in the long term because you're going to uh, speed up your overall metabolic rate by exercising regularly and by building more lean muscle mass, you're going to be burning more calories even in a resting state. So, so exercise is, is the first key. Another thing to think about is protein consumption. Now, I don't recommend overeating protein. We can do that too. But we do want to eat a fair amount of protein, at least a moderate amount of protein, because protein is uh, thermogenic. It does increase our body temperature, and it does increase the amount of energy that we're burning just to digest it. So protein consumption is really important. And I see a lot of people, I've noticed this myself, I'll, sometimes I'll do uh, two days on a, you know, on a vegan all-vegetable diet, for example just to sort of clean myself out. And often I'll, I can feel my metabolic rate dropping based on my core body temperature and, and my energy levels. So oftentimes uh, people who try to really limit their, their protein consumption uh, will have an effect of essentially slowing down their metabolism. So it's important to get good high quality, moderate amounts of protein um, as well. The last thing I'll mention is this hormone control. So we want to make sure that we're, we're doing everything we can 
to enable our bodies to burn fat and energy effectively. And the things that put the brakes on that faster than anything else are certain hormones. The big one is insulin. I mentioned it earlier. When we eat a high or even moderate carbohydrate diet, processed and refined grains, for example, lots of sugary products or even juices that contain a lot of sugar, uh, starchy carbohydrates like white potatoes, or again, I mentioned grains earlier, but rice, things like that. And for some people who are really sensitive, even beans and legumes and, and other starchy foods like that, it raises our insulin levels. And uh, when we become uh, resistant to insulin, which many people are, about half the population is, then we over-release insulin. So we get high insulin levels in our blood. And that will put the brakes essentially on our energy metabolism. Insulin is a hormone that likes to save. It likes to take energy and store it for later use. So we actually create more fat and it prevents us from burning fat. So even if you have normal thyroid levels and you're doing everything else right, if you've got elevated insulin, it's going to put the brakes on all of that and, and override just about all those other hormone systems and cause you to go into a metabolic slowdown, cause you to store more fat and burn less fat. So that's one we really need to keep an eye on. And that's why I recommended earlier having your insulin levels tested in a lab because it'll tell you a lot about that balance. And then on the other side of the equation, as I've mentioned earlier, thyroid hormones and looking at all those thyroid hormones is important as well. So we want to make sure we have that hormone balance working for us also. So exercising, but being mindful about that. So weight resistance, making sure that you're getting adequate enough amount of protein, being mindful of our carbs, and then also checking hormones. Now, would you recommend that we try to do, I mean, clearly under supervised or connecting with our practitioner as well, but that we, do we check our hormones first? What would you recommend in terms of that order? I mean, clearly we can make some of those lifestyle changes pretty immediately. And maybe if we make those lifestyle changes and we're still not seeing the thing, anything budge, is that when we should really look to the hormone situation? Maybe that that's what's causing it? I think that's right. I think that's right. I think people listening to this probably know if they've tried all the basics and they're just not getting anywhere, or there's some things that I mentioned that they haven't done yet. Those would probably be good indicators to, to maybe go a little deeper and, and research these things. But if this is all new and, and you're just kind of just getting started into this, then certainly there's a lot you can do without having to go do lab tests first. And, you know, one of those things would be to do everything you can do to make sure you're not stimulating big surges of insulin release. Um, so keeping a low carbohydrate diet, exercise is important. Um, not snacking. You know, this is something that uh, there's a lot of confusion about. People are often told to eat you know, four or five small meals per day. And for some people that really works well. But if you are insulin resistant and have elevated insulin levels and that's stopping you from losing weight, I don't recommend doing that because every time you eat, uh, you're putting yourself back into what's called the fed state and you're, you're going to start this hormone cascade all over again. You're going to get another insulin surge and 
your insulin levels are going to constantly stay elevated. So it never allows you to get to that point where the fat gates open and you can start burning fat. We really need to uh, get out of the fed state, which is about four hours or so, to be able to then tap into our stored fat energy. So we have to go long periods of time or at least long enough periods of time between eating occasions to allow our bodies to then tap into our stored fat if we want to really lose weight and increase our metabolism. So that's one thing uh, that, that you can do without even knowing what your insulin levels are. And, you know, if nothing's working for you and you're really frustrated and you want to go deeper, then you can go have some of these tests done. Perfect. I love it. I wanted to just share with our listeners today too, you have a really amazing resource that you're sharing to kind of give, I mean, clearly we looked at a very general picture of what's going on, but there are more, there is, I wouldn't call it more complications, but there are more factors to consider. And so I know that we're sending them today to your blood sugar manifesto, specifically for people who are concerned, maybe potentially for prediabetes or insulin resistance, or even a slow or sluggish metabolism. Yeah, for sure. We kind of just scratched the surface here with all the different things we can look at. I mean, we we can could get into sleep, we can get into inflammation, and that leads us then to gut health and chronic infections. And uh, we can talk about stress, of course, and how that impacts m- metabolic function. And I cover a lot of that in the Blood Sugar Manifesto. So it's really uh, everything that I do with my clients I decided to just put it all in an ebook and share it with the world. So they can just go to drmole.com. That's D-R-M-O-W-L-L.com. And right there on the homepage, there's a there's a link that they can click on and get that for free. Uh, the blood sugar manifesto and a lot of great information in there. Perfect. Oh, this is so perfect. Yes. Because yes, you did name some of the other big dangers and everyone's, I know, wondering, oh gosh, oh my gosh, sleep. Oh no, stress. Oh no. It's it's like lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, right. We just open up the world to all the other <laughs> scary things. Ah. That's true. <laughs> well, there's one more question I wanted to ask you before you go. I'm always really interested, you know, as a, as a doctor who focuses so much on metabolism, really understanding and being really aware, which I thought was interesting. I just got done with a five-day longevity detox. We finished yesterday. And wow, I talk about low energy. And it's such an interesting thing. I don't necessarily notice my temperature drop, but definitely just low energy. And this, I do burpees, jump rope. We're we're constantly working out and moving our bodies. And this last couple of days was a no-go. So I totally noticed that. But I want to know, given all the things that you know, what is one thing, one thing that you do every single day, Brian, that really moves the needle for you and your wellness? Like, what is the one thing that you won't give up? You know what I think the most important thing for me is on a daily basis is taking a few minutes out uh, for myself to just reconnect inside myself and really to the earth and sort of the greater community of people around us. Um, Now, I do that by uh, going to the beach. So I live in a beach town. And so I'll drop my kids off in the morning and I usually head right to the beach and it's early enough where there's not a lot of people around, but just five minutes of breathing in the salt air, listening and and staring at the ocean is enough to really ground me. And, you know, during that five minutes, uh, I'll go through a lot of things. Oftentimes I'll, I'll pray or I'll be moved to think about someone or something 
that is important to me that kind of rises above the stresses of daily life. Um, and it doesn't have to be the beach, of course. This could be a park. It could just be sitting in your car with your eyes closed, breathing. It doesn't really matter. It, that just grounds me immediately. And it's, it's sort of my trigger to get to that place. But that five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, if I have it each day, I think is vital to keep me grounded and focused and centered. And it doesn't take a long time. But without that, um, my day can feel very frenetic, can feel disorganized, it can feel crazed. Uh, I can easily be overcome by stress. I can make poor food decisions or skip my workout. But just that five or 10 or 15 minutes of self-care, of grounding myself each morning, uh, really sets my day off in the right direction. And it really allows me to make better decisions throughout the entire day. So that's something I highly recommend for people. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you know, I'm, I'm right next to the beach as well. And it's something we do. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Brian, thank you so much for coming on and really breaking down a lot of not only the myths, but also really giving us some clarity about what we can do first before we have to seek out a practitioner. Like what are some of the, the wonderful lifestyle techniques that we can use? So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks, Marisa. It was a lot of fun and uh, I appreciate you and everything you do. I am always blown away by Dr. Brian's knowledge on healing not only prediabetes, insulin resistance, diabetes, and metabolic syndrome. You know, he does such a marvelous job at breaking down the science and giving us a solution to get our metabolism back on track. And that's exactly what he brought us today. What I believe is that our bodies are designed to want to get back in balance. They just need the tools to support that balance. If you are interested in learning more about healing diabetes or even metabolic syndrome, I want to invite you to check out Dr. Brian Mole at drmoll.com. Now you can find the links to Dr. Brian's website here in the show notes, also on the website at drmarisa.com slash episode 74. That's right. We are already at episode 74. We are almost a year away right now from our anniversary. And as many of you guys may have heard in the last couple episodes, we hit in the month of late February, early March, 250 downloads. So thank you so much. It's such a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. You are the inspiration for this podcast. And I want you to know that coming up next, I am going to be interviewing one of my favorite people, Dr. Maya Sheetreet, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is going to be shedding light on plant medicine, including the power of essential oils. Well, until then, I hope you have a wonderful week. I can't wait to see you at the next episode. 